0: TheYeshiva.net Today is Chavdala Tevis, the 24th day of Tevis, <coughs> which is Yom Yilula Rabbits, the Yorzat of the Rebbe, the Balatanya. He passed away, Mitzay Shabbos, Parsha Hashmois, Mitzayich Chav Gimel, the night, Ehrlich of Tevis, Tofkof Ayin Gimel. It was Mitzay Shabbos, Parash Hashmois, the night of the 24th of Tevis, the year was Tovkuf Ayin Gimel. In the, in the secular calendar, that's 1812, December 1812. It's a mach tzedek, his grandson was present, and he writes the exact time, and he says it was kachatzoi shah aleph, which means it was approximately 10.30 p.m. Not 10: 10.30, but probably a few minutes before. Around 10.25 p.m. So since we have the schus to learn a whole year, the Torah of the Alter the teachings of the Alter It says that on a yard site, a person's life comes to full completion and full fruition and all their deeds and all their Torah and all their Avodah throughout their entire life is revealed and manifested in the world. And the Tanya says that on that day, it's Paul Yeshua's Beker of Aretz. It has a tremendous power in the world. So I want to bless all of us and myself and everyone who's here and everyone who's here virtually is going to be here virtually. That all the teachings of the al that we have the schus to learn all year should really be able to be internalized. Not just in our brains, but also in our nervous system and in our bodies and in our souls and in our lives and in our families and in every aspect of our existence. So we'll learn today one of his, my marim, Parsha's This week's Parsha, ta'ere Parsha's page 112 on the bottom, the left column on the bottom. Page 112 in the Hebrew would be Nunvav, column 4. It's a mimer, I think, from Tavkov Samaché, 1805. And it discusses the first sign that Hashem told Moshe, the first wonder to perform before Para, before the Ten Plagues, before the Makkas. Moshe was obviously very hesitant and he tells Hashem that Pare will no way even pay heed to him. So he begins Hashem, Hashem tells Moshe and Aaron, Take your stick, cast it before Pare, and it will turn into a serpent, a snake. And that's what happens. And then the Khartumim, the, the Egyptian sorcerers and, and magicians, do the same thing. And then the end of the story is Vayiv as their uh, snakes revert back to sticks, the stick of iron, which reverted to a snake and then back to a stick, swallows up their matas. It swallows up their sticks. So, to understand this concept, what is this idea of a stick? Reverted into a snake. At first glance, it looks like it's just a very impressive, <laughs> it's a very impressive uh, miracle. A stick, suddenly you have a hiking stick or a staff and it becomes a nachash. It's like, okay, wow. And then they repeat it and then it comes back to a stick and then his stick swallows up their sticks. But what's, what's the theme behind it? W- what, what, what's the question? The question was obviously, you could do a lot of impressive things. If you're God, you could do a lot of impressive things. Every miracle that was done in Egypt, it wasn't just to do something dramatic. It, it had a teichen, it had a theme. Or to put it differently, what the Balatanya is saying is that everything that happened in Egypt, it was really a sheer. You speak about the ten makkas, the ten plagues. They weren't just ten plagues. They were ten shiurim, They were ten lectures. The lectures, the best lectures, are lectures that are visual. There's lectures that you speak and speak and speak, and barely people listen. The best lecture is it's visual, it's it's visceral. It captures the totality of the person's experience. But it wasn't just a fireworks show or a dramatic display of fanfare and uh, capabilities of changing and manipulating nature. Each one was teaching something about reality, about nature, about God, about slavery, about humanity, about freedom, about morality. So he says, well, the first thing he says, take your stick and turn it into a snake. Throw it in front of potty, it's going to become a snake. What's the union behind it? Is, is it just, you know, my tati is bigger than your tati? Or is it teaching something? And then it becomes back a stick. So it doesn't stay that way. In addition, it's not just each one has a lesson. This one was the first thing. This was the first meifes. The first wonder that was shown to Padi was this. Before all the ten plagues, before the blood, the water becoming blood, and the frogs, and the lice, and the wild beasts, and the pandemic, the, the, the plague, and the boils... Right? and the hail, and the locust and the darkness, and the death of the firstborn, which were the ten plagues that befell Egypt, before all of them came this, that Moshe's an iron stick becomes a serpent, a snake, and then it becomes back to a stick. And the truth is, that already in Parshish when Moshe tells Hashem that nobody's going to believe me, nobody's going to believe me, he gives him three signs, Right? And what's the first sign? The first sign is the same thing. You'll throw your stick down and it's going to become a nachash. And Moshe ran away and Hashem said hold on to it and he held on to it and it became back a stick. So you're ready, you see. Then there were other signs. You have uh, his hand becoming a leper and the water becoming blood. But the first message, both for the Jews and for Pari before any of the plagues was this. What's the meaning of it? He the says, by. es The Jewish people, Vayinatzel means they shall empty out, vacate. Hashem says, before they leave, they're going to empty out Mitzrayim. Because they borrowed from their neighbors silver and gold and tunics and clothes. The Gemara says, They made it like a Mitzula, a pond without fish. You take out all the fish of the pond, of the Mitsula and there's nothing left, only water. That's how they emptied out from the word metsula, a pond, but without any fish. Piyush, what does this mean? Why was this so important? It's not just physically. They took whatever they can. Because obviously there were things left in Egypt. I mean, people didn't give them every last shirt that they had. Egyptians also needed to wear clothes. So, priesthood means it In the original shvira, the original breaking of the vessels, we learned in many maimadim that pre-creation of the world there was the olam ha'toyu, the world of chaos. We also learned it in the Shabbos dekamaimer in Shmois. about loyish and there was a shvira. Shvirah is that the lights, the spheres, the divine characteristics of the world of will soon become clear, broke. And in that breakage, many sparks, what's called nitzutzim, divine sparks, fell. So he says, all the nitzutzim, all the sparks that fell in the breaking of the vessels, into Egypt, the Jewish people collected them. Egypt was emptied Nisroikno was from the word reikon. They were emptied from all these nitsutsus. It remains like a pond without fish. Even one spark didn't remain there. That's the pshat. They emptied it out completely. Not that there was nothing physically left in Egypt. All the divine sparks in Egypt were gone. In fact, the Arizal says, it says, in Parshish Vegam Eirev Rav Ola Itom of Rav, a multitude of nations, went up from Egypt with the Jewish people. So the says, spiritually, of Rav is Erev, a mixture of Re, Rav is Reish Beis. In Kabbalah it says that in the original breaking of the vessels of the world of Toyu, 288 sparks fell and got scattered all over the world. Now those sparks further divide into many more. That's what it says, Al p'nei amayim, is Reish 288 sparks died. What does it mean died? Died means they broke, they fell down, they became detached from their source. Mirachefes, in the beginning of Krishna, Arizha Toyu is Two hundred and two of those sparks fell into Egypt. When the Jews left Egypt, Vegam Aid of Rav, reish beis. of Rav came up with them. The reason says, that's why it says three times in Chumash, you're not allowed to return to Egypt. You're not allowed to go back to Egypt. Why not? Three times. <laughs> you're not allowed to go back to Mitzrayim. It's a prohibition. Why? The reason says the only reason to go somewhere is because you have sparks there. There's no sparks. It's a waste of time. In fact, it's brought in Sfarim that the Rambam, Lived in Egypt for many years. His last years, he lived in Egypt. He was the leader of the Jewish community. He used to sign his letters, at least some of the letters he used to sign. Moshe ben Maimon, who transgresses three sins every day by living in Egypt. Now, obviously, the Ramam had a heter to live in Egypt. The Svarim discussed it, because Jews did go, did, Jews did live in Egypt. Even today, there are Jews living in Egypt. There were communities, big communities in Egypt. What's the meaning? If it applies, if it doesn't apply, how it applies? It's not for this She'er. But the point is that Amma was trying to bring out, it's not so simple to live in Egypt. So spiritually speaking, the Rizal says, because all the Nitzutsus, all the sparks were taken. Now, to understand what this means. What's this idea that sparks fell down during the breaking of the vessel, and what does it mean to sublimate them, to elevate them, to take them out of Mitzrayim? Inyin, the explanation is, kinya, do what's known. Inyin ashvida, the concept of the shvida, of the breaking, who inyin, who misses Zayin Malkin Kadmoyin de Toihu. It's the concept that there were seven kings that died in Parshish Vaishlach at the end. It says, Before Jews ever had a king, there were were kings in Edom. And he goes through a list of eight kings that reigned in Edom from the genealogy of Esav. And each of them died. The first seven, it says, Kabbalistically, they represent the seven primordial, primordial kings of the world of Toyu, that each one went through a misa and death here means that the kelim, the vessels containing the divine energy in Toyu broke. They broke. They sh- were shattered. What happens when something gets shattered? It breaks into many, many pieces, and it becomes scattered, and you often can't recognize it anymore. Like the that the Rebbe gives in turn, the word Baruch is Beis Reish Vav chaf. What happens if you split up the four letters? You see a Beis. You see a Reish. You don't see anymore the bays as part of a cohesive word. When bays and Reish and Vav and Chav are part of one word, so the bays and the Reish and the Vav and the Chav, they have a different meaning, because bays is part of the word, Reish is part of the word, Vav is part of the word, and they make up the word blessed, Baruch, or any other word. When the letters are scattered, you still have each letter, and it's the same letter that was there before, but you completely can't recognize the meaning of that letter because the letter is now fragmented it's disassociated it's disconnected from the totality of the whole experience now this is a very very profound idea extremely why because when you have the letter you have everything you have base but you have nothing because the base is isolated it's detached it's not part of a story When you put the base back with the leish and the vav and the Chaf, you didn't, it's still the same base, but it's a different base. It's part of a narrative. It's part of a story. It's part of a holistic experience. And I want to focus on this for a few moments because it's so important in life. In the world of neuroscience, it's known that one of the very difficult challenges the human brain can experience is when there is a detachment from what's called cognitive memory and emotional memory. Therapists here will be able to explain it a little better. But here's the point. Here's at least one point. Cognitive memory and emotional memory, when the two become severed and they're, they're, they're not working together. Cognitive memory is a memory of a certain reality, a certain experience that your brain remembers. Emotional memory is not an, not an idea. It's, 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 it's the emotions remember it, meaning I respond emotionally to somebody. Somebody walks into the room and my body becomes uptight. That's an emotional memory. My emotions remember without an explanation. Usually when cognitive memory and emotional memory work together, the emotion has a time and has a place, which means if somebody insulted me in public at a certain point in a certain place I remember clearly what happened now when this person walks into the room I'm uncomfortable maybe I'm scared, maybe I'm intimidated maybe I'm angry, maybe I want to run away maybe I feel unsafe the emotional memory has a link to a cognitive memory I know why I'm emotionally uncomfortable what happens if the emotional memory is separate separated from the cognitive memory Maybe I was too young, maybe I didn't understand what was happening, maybe I didn't have words for it, it was overwhelming. So now the emotional memory doesn't have a time and doesn't have a place. So what happens? It becomes all-encompassing, it's timeless and spaceless. So the memory is there, but I don't have with what to associate it. So now it could continue for 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. It could be when a person walks into a room, I'm already uncomfortable. Yeah. The memory, the emotional memory doesn't have a time and a place. To put it differently, the emotional memory becomes a replacement for God, who doesn't have a time and a space. Everything in the world has time and a space. It has its limit. The one thing that transcends time and space is Hashem. When my emotional memory doesn't have a connection with my cognitive memory, that emotional memory takes the place of God. It has no time and space. That becomes my God. That becomes my highest reality. And that's essentially one of the deepest definitions of what real trauma is. What happens is, not that something bad happened to me. Not something sad or painful happened. Something happened, it has no context. There's no context, there's no time, there's no space, there's no memory that's linked to it. In my emotions, therefore, it's, it's, it could creep in and seep into almost every aspect of my life. Sometimes every aspect of my life. It's not isolated anymore. When he says here that there's a shvira, what's a shvira? And he gives the marshal of Baruch, Bez of Chav. The base is not anymore part of a story. It's an isolated experience and it's not part of a narrative. It's not part of a story. So it can define me in ways that are unbelievably powerful because it's not limited anymore. It doesn't have, the cognition doesn't have the ability to limit it and put it into a specific experience, into a specific space. So it becomes a definition of my life. So when he says here that what happens is there are seven kings, they're shattered, they're scattered, and they fall down. In the shells, and This is very, very significant words. What happens is, these very divine sparks, when they become shattered, they're not recognizable anymore. And this is what creates klipa. This is what creates husks. And i will explain more. Take a person's soul. Before the soul comes into the body, the soul was completely one with the light of Ein Sof. By the life of Hashem, before whom I stood, referring to the soul, there was nothing eclipsing the revelation of godliness in the soul. So it was completely aligned with its source. Once the soul descends, and now assumes the garment of a physical body, so the body eclipses the soul. And it gives the appearance that the whole world and everything inside of it is completely separate from its source. The person can't see anymore the alignment and the oneness of all the worlds with the light of infinity which gives life to everything constantly. Like we say in Davening, I can't see it. So the whole experience of the soul, pre-body, is a different experience. Why? Because now the vision... The experience of the soul essentially is covered over by the person's physical incarnation. This is a metaphor for what happens by the breaking of the vessels. The divine sparks of toyu fell. They are now enclosed in the husks of the world of Bria, the world of Yitzhira, the world of Asiyah, the three lowest worlds, The shells darken, they cover up the sparks, and they block them from each angle, from each side, meaning from every perspective, they shouldn't feel and experience the revelation of the Yitzhira. To the point that they could become egotistical and something completely separate. Kemaime Pare, the Navi Yecheskel says that Pare once said, The river, the Nile, is mine, and I made myself. <laughs> the Nile is the second to the longest river, maybe the longest river in the world. And in the ancient world, the Nile was considered a source of nutrition and nourishment and sustenance for Egypt and the whole area because the Nile once a year would rise. I think in August. In August every year the Nile would flood. It's an amazing thing. The Nile would rise and the tides would flood the earth of Egypt. So it made the, the soil, it saturated it with water and because of that they can build a very powerful economy there. First of all there was a tremendous amount of marine life, of underwater life, the famous Egyptian crocodiles and alligators and, and just a tremendous diversity of fish. But also because the soil became so saturated with water, you could produce and you can grow there and they could make papyrus. It was a gevaldica, gevaldica economy because of the Nilus. That's why they worshiped the Nile so much. At some point in the last century, two centuries, they built a dam. So now the Nile doesn't rise because they stop it. But for thousands of years, every summer, the Nilus would rise. Ah, huh? yeah yeah they built a dam yeah they built a chaima, a, a, a so to to stop the flooding but it was an essential so pare says the river is mine i made myself the gemara says at the end of menachas that they believed in god but they said god is the god of all gods of gods i'm also a god and even though before the breaking, the sparks were completely one with the Ein Saif, because infinity was manifested in them in complete oneness, after the breaking after the breaking the, the sparks went into the shells that, that cover it and camouflage it and eclipse it, like we spoke about the body and the soul. So they lack now the ability to experience the bitl, the oneness that they had initially. And now you understand why everywhere in Kabbalah and Exidus, they're called klipois. Why klipos? Klippis means shells. Just like the shell which covers over and surrounds and encompasses the fruit which is inside, and the klipa blocks it like the egois. Egos is a walnut, because sometimes you have shells that are very thin, like a grape. But an Ego is a walnut. When you look at the walnut, the Ego is, what do you see? You see a thick clipper. You have to take a nutcracker and you got to break the husk in order to extract the fruit. To extract the divine sparks from the shells that were blocking them and eclipsing them you have to break the knot. And this was the whole function of all the plagues and the wonders and the miracles of Mitzrayim. It wasn't just to take revenge. It wasn't to take revenge. It wasn't even to show who's boss. That was all accomplished. But deeper than all of that was to be able to extract all the holiness, all the Nitzitzas, because they're concealed in the shell. So what's the Balatanya teaching here? He's trying to explain what's this whole concept of shvirus HaKelim and 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 Klippis and Biru So this is what he's trying to explain. And what's the main point? What's the main point? The world of klipa, the world of klippa means one thing. It means anything that blocks your vision and your experience of having the ability to be able to see the true oneness with Ein Sof. In other words, without Shvira, without Klippa, what would be? The way you experienced yourself and the way you experienced the world, as he says, is that it's If the doors of perception are cleansed, everything appears as is. You're part of infinity. And you are infinite. You're bottle, you're completely one with the Ein And the whole world is, because the Ein vivifies it and animates it and gives it existence every single moment. What does that look like? In such a reality, there's absolute oneness. There's oneness with yourself. There's oneness between you and everyone around you. There's oneness in humanity. There's oneness in the whole cosmos. It's all Ein there's complete oneness, complete oneness. And that's the truth. What's Shvira? What's Shvira? Shvira means. Just like, again, I'll back to that marshal. You have the word Baruch, and then you break it apart. And now you have a base, but you don't recognize what it is, because it's not part. It's like Halila, person has a break, a nervous breakdown. You have sometimes a genius that has a breakdown. They walk the streets, they speak words, if you listen to the words, you'll hear fragments of creativity. But no, no, no two sentences are cohesive. Because the person doesn't have that part of the brain that keeps the story together. It's all fragmented. That's what shmir is. The source of all breakdowns in the world is the shmir of Eilu It couldn't keep it together. So you have all sparks. It's all sparks of holiness. But it's not recognizable anymore. What does it mean it's not recognizable? It has a shell. We think of klippa very physical. You know, there's a godly spark and you go into a shell and you cover it. In spirituality, you don't, ha- you don't use these types of metaphors. <laughs> it's not two separate things. When you can't recognize what the nitzutz is, that's pshadah that has a klippa. Klippa means when something exists and you, it doesn't tell you what it is. It's not clear what it is. It can be misunderstood, distorted. Like in yourself, You're having an emotion. You don't know what it is. You misinterpret it. You distort it. That's pshat. It has a clip. It has a shell on it. You have access to it through cover-ups. You don't clearly see what it is. For example, a person gets very angry. right? Most cases of anger come because there's a pain behind it. But I don't see the pain. All I see is I'm angry at you. In other words, the emotion is covered up. And what is the pain from? You have to be able to know what that is. Probably loneliness. The fact that you're alone in the world, which comes from the fact that I feel maybe unloved in this world. There's nobody to support me, disconnected. So that's pshat. I can have an emotion, but there's no real awareness here. Why is there no awareness? Because it's covered over by shells and husks. So the whole shvirah Sakalim, he says, this is what created Clippus. What's Pshat created Clippus? Really, it's all divine sparks, it's all ain't safe but you don't see it anymore. You look at a base, it's one thing, a is another thing. It doesn't tell you what it is. So a new world emerged, a world in which there's a sense of absolute detachment, loneliness, isolation and separateness. And the Alter Rebbe says it begins, and the metaphor is the person themselves. The person himself or herself is one with Ein but yet that identity is blocked. So I look for substitutes. Because a person wants to feel validated. If you felt part of infinity, you don't need another validation. It's good. But if I don't feel that, I need validation. So you create a new identity. A new identity, which is using the very soul, which is all ain't safe, But it sees it in a different way. I see myself in a different way. And now I'm looking for attention here and love here and a high here and comfort here and validation here. All because I don't know who I am. Yeah? So that's what the word shvira means. The word shvira means when you have a beautiful, beautiful vase or other keli, other vessel, and it gets shattered. Now you start picking up the pieces. You pick up a piece, you don't know what it's part of because you just see... A beautiful piece of crystal, but it's not part of a story. So thank God if it's a broken vessel, we look at it and we know that this is not it. But spiritually, what do you do? You say, oh, this is the whole vessel, this is it. But it's not. So you create a story of how this can be used as a vessel. But it's broken. But it doesn't tell me that it's broken. That's what the word klipa means. So it doesn't appear anymore for what it really is. So it becomes a whole different reality. That's the tragedy of Shriya and That's what Klippa means. So Klippa means whenever I'm in a thought process, or I'm speaking, or I'm doing something, or I'm feeling something, and there is a lack of attachment, there is a lack of connection with the true, full story of who the person is and what the emotion is, it means I'm living inside a shell. I'm living inside a bubble. I'm detached from my own self. I appear to be who I am, to myself, which is alien to who I really am. Now this exists in so many different shapes and forms and levels and experiences. For example, one extreme is when a person is completely, completely blocked off from themselves. Literally, there's like walls that surround you and don't give you access. They don't give you access to other people. They don't give you access to yourself. You live completely behind walls and there's a reason for it. Many very often the person lives behind those walls because they feel that if they come out of those walls, they will not be able to survive. It's too too painful to come out of those walls. So maybe my whole life I'm gonna be isolated within a very big shell, like our egoys, and that's where I exist. And that's the only self that I know. It all happens because I lost that link with my own Ain Saif, with my own infinity, which is the source of all the worlds and all of reality. So this manifests itself in so many different ways. But the point in all of these manifestations is that Shvira, the shattering of these Nitzutsis, means everything is divine energy, which means everything is infinite, but it's shattered from its source and its oneness, so it starts appearing to be something else, and that's how I start treating it, and it becomes a counterfeit, kind of like a counterfeit, counterfeit money, counterfeit from its real identity. And therefore, I need to be able to crack the shell in order to take it out. That's the, that's the here. And now he continues. The pasik says, <speaking in Hebrew> In the beginning of creation, there's the Aden. And then there's a river that comes out of Aden and irrigates the garden. Ganed, that's where Adam and Chava were placed with all the trees. From there, the river splits into four sources. The name of the first river was Pishon. Rashi says that's the Nilois, the Nile. And then you have Gichon, Chidekel, and Pros. The Euphrates River is Pras, Chidekel is the Tigris River, Kichai, is an argument exactly what it is. But the Nakud is, the river comes out of Aden, and it splits into four. Piddish, Noar, me Aden, spiritually it means this. The river that comes from Aden, baruch. Is the flow, a river, is a flow. nahar? Nahar also means it flows. strom. It's the flow that comes from what's called Chachma, that is the highest level of Chachm of the first world in which the light of infinity is manifested. So that Nahar comes out from Chachm, from Eden. And that brings the flow of the Aint the whole world of Chachm all the way to the last sphere which is called Malchus. Also known as a garden. As we said, the light, Nahar, which flow, Nahar also means light in Aramaic, Nahar. It brings the light all the way from Aden, all the way through Atzilis, till the garden. As it says in Zohar, in Atziles, he and his Midos are completely one. So there's only one river because it's the world of oneness. When it hits in the garden, the point where now is ready to start the next world, the world of creation, as I here the rivers start becoming split. The beginning of the division is four separate rivers. They come from one, but they split into four. This is the beginning of in Kabbalah the world of Bria. Just like physically, rivers, no two rivers are identical. Not in the nature of the water. In one river you have sweet water, clear water, transparent water, lucid water. In another river you have murky water, etc. And not in the size not in the nature of the water, not in the size, the quantity of the river. One river continues two hundred kilometers, two hundred parsa. A parsa is four mil, so that's around four kilometers. So, so, so two hundred would be around eight hundred kilometers. It's long, long rivers. The Nile River continues, I think, <laughs> thousands of miles. It's like from here to Warsaw. Spiritually the, spiritually the rivers are not similar the sparks of oil that fell into Mitzrayim is much more than what fell into Bavl each country, each identity has its own uniqueness both physically, each river is different and also in size and in quality and the same is true spiritually that's the answer, that's the shvira, that's the breaking. In other words, even though they all begin as one, like we said before. In atzilus is olem ha So the olem ha is the perspective of the world from a place of oneness. But in the world of Briya, there starts misham Parad. Here starts a different interpretation of the world. In other words, to put it differently, when we speak about different worlds, atzilus, briyeh, yitzirah, siyam, you're not talking about physically, if you take a spaceship, and you fly a hundred million light years, you'll crash into Yatsira. You'll go another million light years, you'll crash into Briya. You'll go a billion light years, and you'll crash into Elam Hatzilas. That's not what it means. It's really four different pairs of glasses. <laughs> it's four different pairs of glasses. It's how you look at the same world. Yeah. You have an eshamah of Hatzilis, it means a soul that's here, but it sees the world from the prism, from the perspective of Hatzilis. Another soul is from Bria. Another soul, Yetzirah. And then there's most souls which are see, which is our world, the lowest world. Atsilas is not somewhere, it's here. It's a way of looking at the world. It's a way of interpreting reality. It's a way of interpreting reality. What does it mean a way of interpreting Well, What's this way? He calls it Olam HaAchtos, the world of oneness. What does it mean the world of oneness? The world in which everything is seen for what it really is. What is it? It's a manifestation of Ein Saif. It's a manifestation of the light of infinity, like he says, "Nahar Yotzemi Eden." The river leaves Eden, which is Chachma Lahashka is a sagan to irrigate the whole Atzilus all the way down till Malchus, which is the last sphere. Malchus is the tenth sphere of Atzilus. It's all Oyla It's a consciousness that's completely there's no ego, no separateness, and therefore no insecurity. And from there starts Yiparit. Comes from the same river. It starts splitting into four rivers. And that's the world of Briya. Then there's the world of Yitzir and the world of Asiya. And we live in our world. Everything is split. Everything is separate. What's the, what's the, what's the reason for that? That's what Shvira means. Shvira, what's Shvira? Shattering takes one thing and it shatters it. In a person's life, like I said earlier, when a person is disassociated, they're not one. Oneness means that all parts of my brain work in a seamless flow. They work together. They're part of a single story. Doesn't mean there's no pain. Doesn't mean there's no sadness. But it means even if there's pain and sadness, it doesn't create a rupture. It doesn't create a split in a person's consciousness. There is a situation where there's an experience where there's a rupture in a person's consciousness. Things simply don't work together anymore. Like I said before, the example of cognitive memory and emotional memory being completely separate. Or parts of a person that are disconnected, literally disconnected from other parts. There's a lack of connection in the human brain, in the human identity. That's all, something broke, something broke. There was a shvira. Shvira causes this. It all begins with the shvira of pre-creation. And that's the shvira of the nitsutsis of Ayla Shvira Sakelun. Where sparks are really one. They're all godly sparks. But they become shattered and therefore experienced as something else. And they could be perceived as something else. And that's what it means. They live in a shell. And when they live in a shell, you don't see what they really are. And therefore, one can be separate from the other. That's the concept of Pirut. Yeah? Everything in the world is full of nitsuts. Everything in the world is full of Nitzitz. From Mitzrayim. They were sublimated. That's why we don't go back. That's why there's an issue to go back to Mitzrayim yeah, that's what it says yeah. Yeah. this will give an explanation all of the miracles this will give an explanation and all of the miracles that Hashem showed Mitzrayim Mitzrayim shall know that I'm Hashem Hashem tells Moshe I'm going to do the miracle so that Mitzrayim shall know that I'm God in Hebrew, Vayeda means no, it also means breaking. the men of sukas will be broken by it. We explain. You can't take out the spark from the shell unless you break the shell, like with the walnut. You can't take out the nut and you can't retrieve it, you can't eat it. I have to break the shell in order that the safe of the Nitzitz should be revealed and it should be subsumed in Elokos. It should be subsumed in its true reality. We say in Az the horse and its rider, Rama. He lifted up and he hurled into the sea. When you're a rider, a horse rider, you control the horse. So he says, the rider, that's the clip of the shell, that rides and covers, it's sitting on the spark and it directs it. And that's why the chariot of Paray is so important, it's such a big story. Pare had a Merkoven, he had the Sheishmeh's Rech of 600 chariots, and you ma, Susviroich v'y Ramavayam. V'y rosam rossam nizgalo an ben saiv barucho. Through the breaking, Susviroich v'y Ramavayam, so the etsutzas become revealed, and they become subsumed in what they really are, which is the infinite one this explains much. it says nobody was left how are they going to know if they're dead they don't know in Lashon Kodesh means breaking all the Nitzutsis of Mitzrayim found out the Nitzitzis don't die The clipper was broken, and the Nitzutsus are part of Eintsoyf. They all knew Ki Each one of the ten plagues with another form of revealing the truth about reality. In other words, revealing the truth of what's inside all the cover-ups. Getting rid of the lie. The Jewish people themselves, as the pasuk says, they believed. But because of all the sparks that were swallowed, literally swallowed, literally inside of the clippers, so the ten makas created the viedum Mitzrayim, the shvira, the breaking of the shell. And the Gili of the Nitzitz. Yeah. Mitzrayim was a paradigm. (laughs) Let's take the first one of the plagues. Not the first one he's going to explain in a moment. Take the water becoming blood. On a very simple level. The water became blood. It says in Mepharshim. It was really just telling the truth. The water was blood. The Nile Delta is the source, as I said, of all the economic success of Egypt. Egypt became a superpower because of the Nile, because of the Nilus, because of Pisha. And it's still one of the most beautiful resorts in the world. The Nilus extends through 11 countries, I believe. It's it's a very, very very long river people sit by the nilus, I don't know if you ever saw it, it's beautiful, beautiful water, especially certain parts in Egypt and other parts, beautiful, beautiful water, calm, delicious, blue, sparkling, looks like the heavens, and you sat there, right, with beach chairs, and played volleyball, and played football, and frisbee, and there were joggers, and everybody was in their earbuds, but what was the truth about the nilus? it was a Beis It was a cemetery for Jewish children. They would plunge Jewish babies, throw them into the river, and the water covered up on these innocent bodies. It was one of the greatest graveyards in history. So when you came by day, the Nilus was beautiful. But what was the truth about the Nilus? It was one bloody Gehenem. So the first plague, what did it do? It just said, let's say the truth. This is not a river of water. This is a river of blood. This is a river of blood. Pashat and Pshat. What is that? That's called shvirus HaKlipa. That's called shvirus HaKlipa. There's a verse from the Kotzki Rebbe. It says in Parsha Shlach that Yeshua and Kalev, when they heard what the Miraglim were saying, you can't go into Eretz Yisrael, we're all going to die. Karu Dehem. They tore their clothes. So the Kotzkei Rebbe says, literally everybody says, whose clothes did they tear their own? Karu Bigdehim. They rent their own garments, like Kriya, as a sign of Avelas. Kotzkei Rebbe says, no. Karu Bigdehim. They tore the clothes of the ten spies, of the ten Miraglim. Why? Because the ten Miraglim were considered Enei Rasha They were leaders. So they wore big streimlach. They wore long Bekishes, right? They wore big Gartlach that were woven from silk. And they looked like the kain Goddam with the Shmayin Ab So the a Abbas, Karu they went and they tore their clothes. They said, put on real clothes. Tell everybody who you are, you're a bunch of gangsters. Machzach nishkay Rabbis, you're a bunch of gangsters. Karu Dayim, stop wearing the uniform. Just tell everybody who you are. Say, so, you don't believe in Moshe, you don't believe in God, you don't believe in Eitz Yisrael, you don't believe in anything. That's it, I have no tainas. But, what comes to me, the al Rebbe once said, Was is mit, uh, went around with an axe and with thick, thick, uh, construction pants and thick ropes. He says, is a mit a a went with, uh, with a Zaidin a Kapata. Not like me, I'm wearing a suit. He went with, uh, with a long Zaidin a Kapata. That's what he looked like. Huh? <laughs> What's the point? the monogams you're showing cut a big day, and stop the cover-up that's the first step the first step in extracting the nutzits, getting rid of all the distortions getting rid of all the lies getting rid of all the cover-ups you're not a leader you're a gangster you're a monster you're using you're using your inner consciousness huh yeah mafia. Call yourself mafia, right? On your stationery, instead of writing uh, what you write, write the truth. That's what he says. Big Day. This is an example where sometimes a whole person's identity is camouflaged by shells and cover-ups. And cover-ups. what's the first avoid in tikon? The first thing is exposure. You have to see what it is. You have to see what it is. What was in last year in Eretz Yisrael this time of the year? Right. One of the worst stories where it came out that one of the biggest therapists in Israel was uh, was was doing disgusting things for 25 years. What was the tragedy? The tragedy, it was all covered up. I'm a therapist, I'm a healer. He was the address to go to when you needed help for a crisis in Bnei Brech. He was the address. Every week he published his Ashkafic articles of how to educate children. His books became bestsellers in the Jewish religious world, because they were good books. So what happens? You take your creativity, you take your wisdom, you take your brilliance, but it's now serving the devil. <laughs> and it's all covered up. And the thicker the clipper is, the more it covers over the truth. So now the very person's personality and energy, which is really a lukos, could be completely... Misused and distorted to themselves and certainly to others. The Nilus is a beautiful Nile. It's not a beautiful Nile, it's a bloody hell. It's a bloody base. It's like you go to the death camps in Poland, you know, it's quiet. You think, how much, how many tears, how much pain, how much screaming did the earth here absorb? But it doesn't say a word, it's silent. You know, you look at certain situations, you know, everything is. Certain families, certain communities, certain people. <laughs> Everything looks so beautiful and perfect. And it's all one big fat lie and myth. And then the person who says it eh, is the Meshugana. <laughs> right? The person who says it, he's the Meshugana. Because he's, he's ruining the beautiful piece of art. It's a beautiful... It's not a piece of art. It's a gehenem. <laughs> At least say the truth. At least say the truth. That's the beginning of healing. And it starts within myself, it starts within ourselves. So in every situation, yeah, again, there's there's endless examples and manifestations of Klippa. From the nilus, covering up all the blood, right? From people dressed in beautiful clothes. And who knows what they did last night. The Gemara Nareh Zarah finishes the whole boy, To remember what you did last night. It's a whole story over there somebody was telling the <clears throat> the king, why you cheshed me, I know what you did last night, Hakmanish kinshainak. To much more subtle forms, but the common denominator in all of them is that if I'm not ready to, to, uh, to take on, to confront and combat the cover-ups, I never even know what my spark is. Because really, bipnimius everything is a everything is everything is, is pure goodness. But it becomes distorted and covered up and manipulated and exploited and used. And then the clipper takes over. And that's the Reichev, that's the Merkevis Parai. The horse is a good horse. Horses are not bad. But what the horse was used to go attack the Jewish people. Because the rider of the horse, it's like what the Germans did with the dogs, you know. They took dogs. Dogs are sensitive animals and you train them to bite, to kill, to, to eat, to mold, to destroy so the Reichov, the writer, defines the nitzuts. It takes a pure, innocent reality and can completely exploit it for its own purposes. was.: I understand how the abuser should be broken, but how about the victim? It seems like maybe it could break them more. The victim should never be broken, the victims are broken. So, you have to break their brokenness. <laughs> you have to break their brokenness. The victims are broken. That's their clipper. Huh? They think they're broken. So, what do you have to do? You have to break their brokenness. How do you break their brokenness? You tell them they're not broken. You understand what I'm saying? The abuser's clip is that he's a tzaddik yisraelim. The victim's clip is that he's broken. Huh? That's that's his clipper. That's where, that's where he's completely covered up. His soul has been shattered and broken. He thinks he's a broken piece. So you have to, yeah, you have to go beyond that. You have to show him that you're not broken. Clipper could be that I'm broken. That's clipper. That's sometimes the worst clipper. The cover-up that, that, that I'm, I'm frightened. I have to hide in a closet for 85 years because if I come out of the closet, I'll be stabbed to death. I can't connect. I can't be honest. I can't have relationships. I can't melt away. I can't. I can't feel safe. I can't trust. What happens? My 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 is completely in exile by a shell that says, "You stay quiet, and I will control you. I will ride you. I will tell you when to come out, how to come out." <laughs> it all begins with Shvir hakelam. That was the first the first cause of all the trauma in existence. And that's what it's connected to. That's where it's all connected to. And when you're connected to that, there's always healing because that's the purpose of creation. Huh? It's our job. Yeah. How it works, then we exactly. It. You always have to understand how it works and then you can identify it and then you can help it. Then we, can help them. we can help ourselves and we can help others. Yeah. Yeah. Based on all this, he says, now once you understand this, you'll see how it's all there in the first sign. That was the introduction. The shiur, before the ten makkas, there was the hagdama of the shiur. Before the ten classes of the ten plagues, Hashem said, let me give an introduction. An introductory class. Introductory. It says, The intro to all the ten plagues was the stick becoming a snake. Why? Listen. We explained what are the ten plagues? To break the covers, the shells. What does that mean to break it? The sense in the world that I am separate from Hashem. I'm lonely, I'm broken, I'm shattered, I'm yesh. What's that yesh? I'm on my own. Yesh means I have a big ego. Why do I feel I have, why do I need to have an ego? Because I don't exist without it. Why don't I exist without it? Because I don't experience that I'm part of infinity. So I have to become a yesh, I have to become a something. What do they say? Be something, right? (laughs) Be a something. It's beautiful words, it can also be very dangerous words. You have to be a something when you're a nothing. If you're a something, you don't have to be a something. Become something. Make something of yourself. On one hand, it's very promising. On the other hand, this feeling of real yesh is a compensation for the real self that is broken. That's the yesh. So all the miracles was essentially a shir. It was a demonstration. Even though they say that they're klippus and that they are. They receive life constantly from holiness every moment. You're not separate. You're not disconnected. You're not detached like you think you are, you're completely one with Helikos. The vitality of Hashem flows through many veils and evolves through many levels and many filters. And the filters and blockages restrict the energy so much to the point that you could start feeling the need of saying, this is my river, and I made myself. The moment is a ray of light that comes higher than Simpson, all the clippers are gone. Because they all live from a delusion, because there's darkness. The moment you get to see what's happening, you see the other side of the veil it all ceases to exist. It's like all a joke. On this side of the curtain, the clippers take themselves very seriously. <laughs> Why? Because even though at this moment they're all coming from Gdusha, but the Gdusha is so restricted and so concealed, it allows for a philosophy and an experience of separateness from Hashem, and therefore loneliness. The moment is a revelation that's a little more intense, it's all gone. Like sometimes a person's brain has an experience that's a little more intense you get to see a little more and suddenly everything you took seriously. It was like a joke. It's, it's worthless. It's meaningless. It was all based on some distortion of perception. The moment you see something beyond the symptom, all the clippers are gone because their whole existence is only because Elikus was covered up. And this was the idea of the stick becoming a snake. The word mata means a stick. It also from the is from the word hamshacha vahatoya, which means to communicate something. When something you say the s'vara is mata, your logic gravitates; it extends; it's bending towards this place. The word shavet, which is a scepter, it's also a stick, also means to communicate. The shavet is they call it Haley's comet. The star that flies, the Shavad, Haley's comment, that flies in the sky from one side to another side. The whole flow of Kedusha, of holiness, from Hashem's source, down through all the levels, it's called a stick. Because a stick is a way of communication, right? Like with a stick, you could move something, you can direct your hike, your walking you can call somebody, especially somebody who can't see. So the stick extends me to somebody else. You take something with a stick, you move something with a stick, you call somebody with a stick, you hit something with a stick, you get something with a stick. So that's mata and shave it. So mata is like the flow, the flow of energy all the way from the source down. But that's holiness, because a stick is straight. Tanin, a serpent the Novaya Cheskel says, the great snake or crocodile that crouches in the river. So, Moshe taught Parey, your stick, the stick becomes a snake. It's not two separate things sha Klippus from the light of holiness, that's where the snake gets its whole chius. The source of clipper, which is the snake or the crocodile, it all comes from the stick bakal his malchus, his leadership, extends and rules everything. It's through many restrictions and evolutions that the stick could become a snake. Through all these filters and constrictions, the flow from the stick is so concealed. To the point that it can create this type of snake which says the river is mine. Crocodile says the whole river is mine which is powder. You see also a stick he says is a direct flow, it's straight. A snake right, they call it the serpentine gate. It's crooked it goes this direction, and this direction, that direction it's not the straight stick it's the crooked stick. So here you have exactly what happens. The flow of Kedusha is called amata. Why? because it's seamless from the elia and it goes down to the tacht and it's a flow the nachash, right, you think it's going in this direction and then it turns in this direction the serpentine gate it looks very sophisticated, it's like a beautiful dance, but it's poisonous, it can kill you and that's exactly how clip it works it takes that flow, but it distorts it, it makes it crooked nothing is what it seems you think we're going this way, we're going that way like a, like a deceiver, a ramai. We're going this way, we're going that way. In other words, what it does is it takes the very energy of the mata, but now it's covered over by the shells and hus that detach it from its source. And the moment you're not aware of the truth, that you're a chilek of Ein Soif, that you're buttle, you're completely one with the Ein Soif, now a new identity has to take over and that identity by definition has to be crooked. It's not straight. It's not seamless. It's not transparent. It's not honest. Why? Because the truth is being eclipsed. If the truth would be revealed, the whole clipper couldn't exist. So the matter becomes the stick. So Moshe was telling Paris something very deep. You don't understand what you're fighting. You're not fighting me. You're not fighting God. You're not fighting the Jewish people. You're fighting yourself. You understand what he was telling them? You're fighting yourself. You're not fighting God. You're fighting you. So you are fighting you. How, 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 can, how can that succeed? It can't succeed. You're fighting you. You're not fighting somebody else and you might win or you might lose. You don't know who you are. The mistake ain't Your whole philosophy is a lie of who you are. You can't live a life that's betraying you. Because the very you is going to be the greatest protest against it. Your defeat is not going to come from outside. Your defeat is going to come from inside. Because you're rotten. Because you don't even know who you are. You're a distortion of yourself. That was a very powerful message to Pariah. You don't understand. You're not fighting me, me against you. Who's going to win? Who's God? God is big, I'm bigger. You don't understand who God is. By you, God is a God. I'm explaining to you when we say God, it's not a God, it's you. It's ain't soif, it's infinity. You need to let go of your shells and allow your truth to come out. Everything you have is ain't soif, is Kedusha. It just became tragically manipulated in your system. And the only language you know is the language of control and tyranny and murder and oppression. And if you don't oppress the people, who are you? You don't understand that essentially we are all part of Ainsaif and therefore oppression doesn't even make sense. Yah. Chesidus. <laughs> no. Shavah Mitzhiz B'nai god Part of Shavah Mitzhiz B'nai is The Pnimi is Chesidus' teacher Because he's also part of the world. Because Mitzrayim is also the Netzutzos. That's the Chiddush. There's no Mitzrayim. There's nothing outside of kedusha. There's no such a thing. Something as outside of holiness. What do you mean? There's Mitzrayim. So that's what we're saying. Mitzrayim is not outside of holiness. Mitzrayim. The tragedy of Mitzrayim is that it doesn't know how holy it is. And the same is true with everybody and everything. Everything is holy. What do you mean there's so many things not? The answer is, the tragedy of those things is that they don't know how holy they are. So they become in their own mind something else in order to compensate for an existence that they're looking for and they're choking. So you become a new thing. It's called a yesh, and you say the river is mine. And it's in all of our lives. The moment you don't realize how holy you are, you need something else to compensate for it. Whatever that is, huh? So, no, Gimbal Klippas also have a spark. All klippus have a spark. Nothing could live without a spark. It's like, it's like everything has it. When you say Gimbal Klippas Atmeis, Ben Toiv Kal, it means it's not revealed. It has to be broken because you can't, klippus Noiga means that the spark is transparent. It's Noiga, it's a So you can easily elevate it, like anything, for example, kosher food or money. That's called klippus Noiga, right? Wisdom. Because the the nitzitz is, 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 is close to appearance. It, it's 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 at the surface, so you can extract it. Shalashu is the nitsut is very, very concealed. So you have to work much harder to get it out. And often you have to break it, like a walnut. You can't just take it out. The, you know, you have a pistachio, you go like this, you open it up. Yeah? You have a grape, where the klipo is not even concealing it. You could see the grape, you can even eat it. And then you have an eggo, oh, it's a walnut, is. Uh, <laughs> What do you say? You know, a hard nut. It's a hard nut to crack. So, it's also, you're not interested in cracking it. You just want to get to the Nitzuts. In order to get to the Nitzuts, you have to, uh, you have to crack it. Yeah? What does that mean that Egypt didn't have sparks anymore? Oh, he's going to finish. So they took it out. They took out the Nitzutses. <laughs> yeah. You want to know Egypt today? <laughs> well, it could be they, other nations brought some stuff back because they moved there. For that time, yeah, but other nations came back to Egypt, so probably they brought some sparks there. I'm just speculating. I don't know how, exactly how the system works. Yeah, <inaudible> same idea. <laughs> I guess everyone has their own unique uh, their own unique clipper. Okay, let's see the last few lines. <laughs> now he shows Bakert opposite. The snake came from a stick. And now the snake goes back into a stick. And the stick of iron swallows up their sticks. The snake becomes a stick. and iron stick swallows them up. What does it mean? It means that ultimately all clipper could go back and will go back to its original place. Because it's just a cover up. So the moment the truth gets revealed, you'll see that your whole reality was based on a distortion of who you are. It's like a person at some point in life has a certain revelation from a deeper place in their consciousness and suddenly everything they did throughout their whole life, they realize (laughs) it's like a mockery. It's almost a tragic joke. I became this type of person just to protect myself from this. And then I became this type of person to protect myself from this. And for 50 years I was living a lie based on a perception of who I was that wasn't even real and authentic. And berege commemorates all gone. Why? Because it was never there. There was nothing really there. It was just based on concealment, on darkness. And anything that's based on a cover-up doesn't have a real existence. So they said, the whole snake comes from a stick. The snake is going to go back into being a stick. Iron stick is going to swallow up all your sticks. This was a sheer. I'm going to teach you a maimer. And that is, you're not a yesh. You don't need your ego. You don't need your tyranny. You don't need to be a son of Oppressor and abuser in order to exist. The whole union why you have to be a yesh is because you need some identity, right? It's like somebody who's looking for compliments the whole day. Why do I need compliments the whole day? It's a survival. So when I needed it, I thought it was survival. Now you could realize it's not your survival anymore. You're not a yesh vadovav You're not separate. It's not who you are. He was really complimenting Parei. Don't be a shaita. this moment the whole party is coming from eliqu there's no party without elicus. your whole he is coming from godliness is <laughs> Ah you have such a big palace and at this moment you're abusing a whole nation because Hashem knows how to conceal himself that's it <laughs> Hashem knows how to conceal himself so Mel you became a ya he became a big yesh say. In one moment when he wants, the snake becomes back to a stick. The whole clipper goes back to its source and Gedusha, all the clippers are gone. And this was the Nechuda ultimately that's expressed in all the Liy's Vedu That the clip of Mitzaiam should be broken. And then the Nitzitz knows Ki Hashem, it knows that I'm God, so that Egypt should become aware and cognizant of this Nakuda of Einoid Movad. That's why this was the introduction to all of the Tammakas, and this was the Teichen. It happened physically. He's not saying it didn't happen physically, but the physically was just a, a, a visual. It's like when you, you use props to bring out a point. It's not that the snake and the stick, that was the story. Moshe was explaining an idea. He was communicating a message. He used the snake and the stick just as metaphors, as props to bring out the nekuda of this idea of what Klippa is and therefore why it should surrender to Kedusha. Not because Kedusha is more powerful, but because there's no such a thing as Klippa. Don't surrender to me because I'm bigger and stronger and I'll beat you up and I'll break your nose. (laughs) Then it's me against you it's because there's no opposition because clipper is not a real Matthias cuz you're not really separate that's a whole other art. this is this is about how this means to bring up sparks bring up sparks doesn't mean you take a a plier, yeah you know like you collect frogs from the, from your swimming pool you go and you collect toads and frogs from your swimming pool that's subshallah loss means that you reveal you reveal the truth you reveal that all the opposition and all the defiance and all the brokenness and all the arrogance and all the negativity was just desperately looking for existence because it's a cover up of the truth the truth is covered it's scary parry was scared listen he didn't give in <laughs> he didn't give in he said no he fought and every makkim, I should continue to shear. Based on this, you can go through the makas, It's not for now, but dam, tzwadeya, kinem. It was, it was another maimed, another maimed, deeper, deeper, deeper. He was explaining to them more and more and more. He was. He had a big soul. Listen, obviously, if, if they, they invested in him so much, somebody once told a kutskerebeth when an apikaitis. He says, no, 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 it's just not he says, you get squeezed once, you'll be done. He says, Padre, he was an apikaitis. <laughs> he says, Padre, he was, uh, there was somebody, uh, there was somebody to deal with. The clipper became guns." Uh. So you have it on a cosmic level. People like Paray and these types of people. Yeah, you have haman v'chadnetz, but you have it on a personal level. There's the inner para, there's the inner, there's the inner clipper. It may not be as dramatic. You're not chas doing what the Egyptians did. But in each person's life, this is the concept. I have to look where the distortions happened. Where my light became suddenly covered over. And now suddenly it's taken over by a shell and a hus that manipulates my divine energy because there's nothing outside of divine energy. Everything is using divine energy. When you're lying, when you're cheating, when you're abusing, everything is using divine energy. There's no such thing. You can't not what are you using? There's only one source of fuel in the world. You can only fill your your car is going with gas unless you have a Tesla. It's also, it's its own form. So this one uses electricity. There's only one source of energy. It's called divinity, godliness. Everybody's using that energy. The question is what what happens with that energy? Is it flowing smoothly like a stick? Or does it turn into a snake? That's it. And when it turns into a snake, it's the stick that became a snake. So you have to teach the snake to go back being a stick. Okay. 9.30 we have a class for women. So we'll take a break here. And Be'ezer Hashem, the next class will be Thursday morning, 7, 8 o'clock because they have krisatayra. Thursday morning, 5 to 8 or 8 o'clock. Shumah comes from one place, and the shumah toi and the shumah matzilas, or, or one shumah can come from a few different dilemmas. From a few different, but generally the question is, what's the main focus of the shumah? Usually, sometimes the main focus can, can look for the, from the toi perspective, and sometimes it can look from and the matzilas perspective. Any chenami, a shumah could be yeah. Uh, combinations, yeah. Sudden, the cognitive memory splits. Yeah, from the emotional memory. What do you mean it's God? I mean, it's gone. It's a good thing that it splits. No, you're saying that it's, it's like I suck, It's like because you don't know where it's here. It's everywhere. no, no when, Yeah, so that's the that's that's the the real pain It becomes gone that takes over a person's life. So it's not. You this becomes God. It yeah, needs to be the, one, the real one. Yeah, it becomes like a yeah. It becomes a fake god, huh? Yeah. So, Shankar, yeah. we said that um, the, the mental illness comes from from the, there is no language. Yeah. So, uh, people come sometimes to the Shia and they they don't understand because Shlaimo doesn't their language. Yeah. So Amos. Amos. Yeah, know some how to Amos. make sense about yeah. And, uh, yeah. 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 Yeah, if there's no language, it's very hard for us to make sense out of anything. This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at ww.theyeshiva.net slash donate.